For more than 200 years, we Owens women have been blamed for everything that has ever gone wrong in this town. It all began with your ancestor, Maria. She was a witch. The first in our family. And you, my darlings, are the most recent in a long and distinguished line. Is that why they wanted to hang her? Because she was a witch? Well, the fact that our Aunt Maria was a bit of a heartbreaker didn't help. Nor did it help that most of her lovers had wives on the hanging committee. But no, I don't think it was either of those reasons. They feared her because she had a gift. A power that has been passed on to you children. She had the gift of magic. Welcome to the boot. It's the boot. We are recasting magic spells over classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. Someone did cast a spell on this movie and it was very scary. Can I can I ask you something? Yeah. What is this movie about? What okay. is it about? We open on a very whimsical witch hanging. Not what happens. <laughs> what is this movie about? Guys, this week, Ken and I are going into the very confusing 1998 magic, witchy, <laughs> comedy, drama, fantasy, practical magic, starring Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman, Stalker Channing, Diane Weist, and Aiden Quinn. I'm Brian Flynn, and the enchanted person next to me in the coven, <laughs> Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? Oh, man, I'm great. I really love that we've been doing very, like, women-oriented, mm-hmm. women-led, mm-hmm. female-forward mm-hmm. movies about sisterhood. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to talk about Practical Magic. Guys, uh, Ken and I are going to pick our top five characters from this movie, if we can call it a movie. Yes, we call this a movie. And we're going to recast them as if this movie was made today in 2018. But before that, we got some reboot news. James McAvoy, Bill Hader, and talks for It sequel. With Jessica Chastain officially on board, It Chapter 2, New Line has now begun to zero in on who will play the rest of the Losers Club with James McAvoy and Bill Hader and talks to join the next installment. Sources tell Variety that McAvoy is in talks for the role of Bill, who was played by Jaden Lieberher mm-hmm. in the first pick, while Hader is in talks for the role of Richie, who was played by Finn Wolfhard in the last film. As previously announced, Chastain will play Beverly, obviously. Like, who else would she fucking play? Uh, director Andy Muschietti is back to direct with Gary Doberman penning the script. Okay. Brian hasn't seen It Chapter One. I know, I know. I kind of want to so, see them together. Like, I, I kind of want to no, see them. that's incorrect. Why not? <laughs> Honestly, because It is just one of the most fun, well-made, I think well-imagined uh, horror movies mm-hmm. in a while. I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise Dancing clown. Pennywise? Yes, meet Georgie. Georgie, meet Pennywise. <laughs> now we aren't strangers, are we? That is coming from uh, an existing property. property. Um, there's lots of great original stuff, but it really is like it is a classic Stephen King novel and a, just an incredible story. Yeah. And this is exciting. Uh, what do you think about, I mean, McAvoy and Hater, how do you feel about it? 
Um, what's interesting is that, of course, after they made the first movie, they sat all these kids down to do press events. And know, yeah. one of the big things they would ask is, who do you want to play you in the second version? Because in or in the second movie, because the second part of the story is about the kids when they're all grown up. Yeah. And what's interesting is that Finn Wolfhard said he wanted Bill Hader to play him. Um, Do you think these kids got bullied into saying the adult actors that New Line wanted them to? I don't think so. I think he legitimately just thought, like, if the grown-up version of Richie is still this sort of, like, uh, motor mouth master of impressions, who is that person? Bill Bill Hader. Hader. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, James McAvoy is perfect. Just as James McAvoy or as Bill? Both. Okay. Yeah, I love McAvoy. I'm just I'll, I'll super excited. Yeah, I, I I mean, I'm a big Stephen King fan, too. Mm-hmm. I, I just never got around to seeing it. But I'll see it. I'll see it. Have you read the book? Uh, No. What are the books I've read of Stephen King? Uh, I read The Dark Towers. Oh. I read a majority of The Dark Towers. And then I got stuff. to book six, and then I was reading it at a job, a summer job, and my boss was like, I was telling her how bad the book was. She's like, you don't have to finish books. <laughs> and she literally was like, you don't have to read this book if it's bad. She I like, was like, no, I have to get. Wipes away a tear. She and you're really, like, I yeah. was crying. <laughs> it was really like, no, I have to finish six so I can read seven. And she's like, no, no, you don't. Wow. But because I didn't finish six, I was like, ah, so I never read seven either. So That's such an interesting phenomenon. Like how when you're watching a show and it gets bad and you're like, well, I can't stop watching, though, because. I've invested so much time. Yeah. yeah. Like, how do you quit it? I don't know. It, any Grey's Anatomy fans out there, please let me know. Dang. Yeah, someone in my household keeps watching Grey's Anatomy. And I don't get wow, it. Wow, this feels very pointed. <laughs> yeah, she'll hear Is it Murphy? Is it your dog? <laughs> it's my dog, yeah. Okay, uh, why don't you take this one? Um. Oh, gosh. See, lots of just my favorite people doing my favorite things. Jason Clark in talks to play lead character in Pet Cemetery readaptation. Dennis Widmeyer and Kevin Kalsh the writing directing duo behind Starry Eyes, phenomenal movie, have been tasked with bringing Pet Cemetery back to the screen with Paramount dating the new adaptation for release next year. Today brings casting news as a Hollywood reporter reports, oh boy, that Jason Clark is in talks to star. Clark would play Lewis Creed, played by Dale Midkiff in the 1989 film. Did you see Winchester? Uh, No. Mm. Remind me of it. That's okay. Nobody did. I saw Mudbound, which was he, he was in. Was he really good in that? I still haven't seen Mudbound. He was very good Mudbound. in that. Yeah, he was very good in that. I feel like Jason Clark is one of those people that he is very talented and very interesting, but the projects he does very rarely give him what he needs. I don't think I've ever seen Pet Cemetery, but the first horror movie I ever saw in my life was Pet <laughs> Cemetery 2, starring very specific Clancy Brown and Eddie Furlong. Uh, and Wow. It is there's a scene in Pet Cemetery 2 where the so Clancy Brown plays Eddie Furlong's stepdad. He plays mm-hmm. like a cop and he's like really overbearing and somewhat abusive. And I think Eddie Furlong oh, Eddie Furlong's dog attacks his stepfather mm-hmm. and kills him. Okay. And they have to put they put the dog down. But then Eddie Furlong's like, fuck, I love my dog. So he decides to bury his dog in the pet cemetery. They just mm-hmm. moved to town. And the dog comes back. And I forget how the dad comes back, but also through the pet cemetery. I forget how he gets there. But <laughs> he comes back and he walks in the house and they have this like really messed up dinner scene. It's real. It's like it's creepy. It's scared this sounds like some like weird pseudo Stephen King stuff. Yeah. It's... Like how the sequels are sort of like. Eh. What's going on around here, Gus? Why did you dig up my wife? Because <laughs> I wanted to fuck her. 
think about pet cemetery i think about how uh like every within maybe like a year of each other every group in my family lost some sort of animal and we started a pet cemetery on my grandmother's farm but like completely by accident it was like you know my grandma's dog died and they ended up like burying her somewhere on the farm and so then like a few months later when our dog passed like we took him up to the farm and buried him near princess that dog was huge um she was not a princess um (laughs) and then like my cousins had a their dog died and we it just happened so quickly that we were like well i guess we'll just like put them together oh my god and so it's so like funny to me to think that we like out of convenience we Mm -hmm. were like well this is where we're all gonna put our pets but it's a pet cemetery good thing you didn't do it on an ancient indian burial ground that i know of um, all right, guys, let's round out the all horror edition of this uh, news segment here. Woohoo! Chris Columbus confirms Gremlins reboot provides Goonies 2 update. Um, which one do should we read both? I guess I said both, so we'll do both. Yeah. Um, so this is a little snippet. Which this is all very loose. Yeah, They're like is... confirms, provides updates. This yeah. is not much information. So I'll just kind of paraphrase this. Um, Christopher Columbus, the director of Gremlins and Goonies and Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter and Home mm-hmm. Alone. He is asked in an interview about an update on Goonies 2, and this is what he had to say. There's been a lot of talk about it. That's a difficult one, only because all of the actors have gotten older and chosen different careers. So that's a little more difficult. Gremlins, we were actively talking about that. So that's what I'm working on with my production company, 1492 Pictures. Clever. Then they ask you, will it be a reboot? And he says, most definitely, almost definitely will be a reboot. I don't know what it will almost definitely be a reboot means. I guess just... They're going to start over. Yeah. Then he continues on after the interviewer says that his films are timeless. That was the goal on the films that we've worked with and stood the test of time. There was definitely an intention to make them timeless. Even when we're making Home Alone, I was saying to the crew, I hope when people are watching this on TV in 30 years that this still feels fresh. You are a product of the time you shoot the movie, so there's a few things that give away what year it was. But there's a timeless quality which starts with a story you know has an emotional connection to the audience that you know will continue through generations. So Kenna. Is Gremlins timeless? I was actually just thinking, yes, it is. Because there's something about, like, here's the thing. You can't remake Home Alone today. Kevin literally just calls his parents on his cell phone that he most assuredly has. They answer it in the car and are like, whoops, we forgot Kevin. Mm -hmm. You can remake Gremlins. Like, it's purely a monster story. Can I hold him? Sure. I don't see why not. He seems to like you. Great. Thanks a lot. Sorry. Who's in that jar? Nothing, just water. One, two, three, four, five new Now can I have one? I don't know if it's timeless, though. It, it It's definitely... Of its time, I just wonder, like, I guess I'm thinking about, like, the gremlins come from, like, an ancient Chinese mystic. I mean, yeah, I don't know there's, how definitely, that is. there's definitely some things that would need to shift. <laughs> but I haven't seen it in a long, long time. That but the, mo- the monsters themselves, well, the gremlins. Yeah. yeah. 
like you can plop them in a new story. Yeah. Uh, just don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe make them practical. So what is it? Don't feed them past midnight and don't get them wet. Mm-hmm. If you feed them past midnight, they multiply. And if you get them wet, they turn into like the ugly, evil gremlins. Yeah. Because yeah. they're mogwai to begin with. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Gizmo is a mogwai. Cute and fuzzy. Yeah. I had a little gizmo toy when I was a kid. Oh, we all you did. pressed his hand and yeah. he went, oh. Gizmo is timeless. I'll give you that. Gizmo's the best. All right, guys. We're going to get into the reboot of Practical Magic. But before we do, Kenna, we, you guys, you listen to this podcast. You know their rules. You yeah. know the rules are coming. Right. So this is a podcast that you should definitely be listening to with an open IMDb. Get your phone out. Get your computer out. Uh, get your typing fingers out. And get ready. Because we're going to say some names that you may not know. And you're going to want to type them in. Um, also, if you have not seen Practical Magic, what is wrong with you? You don't have to. D- b- <laughs> no, it's great. So just go watch it. Come back. We'll be here ready to chat. Here are the rules. Number one, no remakes, reboots, or long lost sequels. We cannot do a movie that has already been redone in the last 20 years or so. This includes franchises like Halloween, since we're going on a little yeah, horror uh, theme. Scream. Unfortunately, yeah. man, Scream is Scream's so good. Um, that pop back up with sequels every few decades or are just continuing their franchises, which after 20 years, why? Also, we added a little bit of an addendum to this because we wanted to clarify just because there's so many rumors out there. If a remake has been rumored for more than two years with no forward movement, it's fair game. So I'm putting Blade back on the list. That's what that means. Um Second rule, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. Number three, no tender casting. We can't cast someone just based on how they look. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. I may have broken this rule inadvertently. Inadvertently. All right, well, we'll get to it. Guys, let's get to this reboot of Practical Magic. Julie, are you sure you want to do this? Absolutely. Lips pursed, emit wind over tongue in motion, teeth on edge. Good enough, good enough. Touch bound and smudge a blue sage with braided wheat straw. Insert needles through eyes of corpse. Through the eye? In the eye. All right, so the five characters that we're going to reboot in this episode are Sally Owens, played by Sandra Bullock, Jillian Owens, played by Nicole Kidman, Aunt Frances, played by Stockard Channing, Aunt Jet, played by Diane Weist, Weist. and Gary Hallett, played by Aidan Quinn. Now, Gary, I you know, I gotta say I'm a little upset that we don't get to do... I. I did an honorable mention, and I texted you beforehand. So yeah, you, you did. Too. And I thought or, to myself, maybe I should too. But then I was like, no, don't fall under peer pressure. Uh, I, I did an Gary honorable mention for Johnny Angelov, who is the best character in this movie. <laughs> Jimmy. By far. Oh, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Angelov. Let's start talking about this movie. I still don't know what this movie is about. Like, it's about witches in a community that are persecuted for being witches, but then aren't? Here's what this movie is about. Get ready. Sit back, relax. I'm going to tell you. This movie is using 
the idea of magic and witchcraft to uh, personify the idea of sisterhood and community. Because the whole idea is that people are scared of Sally and Jilly and their family because they think that they have magic powers and that frightens people. But as soon as Jillian is in danger, even people that you would not expect come to her aid because ultimately women helping women is more important than any silly feud that they've made up. I love that. I love that. I just wish that had a narrative structure because this movie went all over the place. So first it starts out in like Salem, Massachusetts, where they like try and murder a witch. who It's a really fun witch hanging. And then the witch's betrothed uh, dies at sea and there's like a curse. Cool. I'm still on board. I'm still on board. And then it shows that the the aunts, Francis and Jet, are telling the stories to Sally and Jillian. And I get it. You know, they're passing on the lineage. Cool, 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 cool. Then Sally grows up. Jillian grows up. Jillian goes to L.A. Well, you to, miss the fact that they're like the curse definitely still exists. Their dad yeah. passes. Right. And so they're and their mom, and their mom dies, dies of a broken heart. OK. Yes. So they move in with the aunts <laughs> or the aunts. This. And Sally and Jillian grow up. Jillian moves to L.A. Sally stays on the island, whatever fake Massachusetts island it is. And meets a man, falls in love, has some kids. He passes away. But then you learn that the ants orchestrated the okay, rendezvous. You're missing. Between- you're missing the big points, which is that Sally is so scared of falling in love and losing somebody that she wishes for a fake person right. to come into her life. Sorry, you're right. That's she correct. like creates this spell. A perfect man. She creates the perfect man that she knows doesn't exist. So she'll never meet him. She'll never fall in love, and mm-hmm. he'll never die. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Summoning up a true love spell called Amas Veritas. And he'll have one green eye and one blue. Thought you never wanted to fall in love. What's the point? The guy I dreamed up doesn't exist. And if he doesn't exist, I'll never die of a broken heart. But she's so jaded about the idea of falling in love that the ants have to cast a spell on her to push her in the direction of a man so that she won't be sad and lonely without her sister. Cool. So she gets married. They have kids. They're married for what, like three years? Yeah, the kids are a little kids bit older. kids are like eight. Uh, okay. So then he dies in one of the funniest car accident scenes <laughs> I've ever seen. It's a fake out too. It's so funny. And then she's devastated. And then she uh, telepathically communicates with her sister. And then her sister gets in trouble. And then she has to go to L.A. And then they get kidnapped by her sister's boyfriend. And then they accidentally kill him. And then they take him back to the island for some reason. Okay, you're right. This does get a little complicated. And then they try to resurrect him. And then he he comes back alive. And they kill him again. And then they bury him out in the yard. Well, they take him back to the island because they accidentally give him too much poison. And they kill him. And they're like, what do we do? And Sally's like, well, if we wanted to... We could yeah. try to resurrect him. Do you see the narrative problems that I'm I do? Here, right? I do, okay. but I don't so, care. <laughs> look, th- that aside, this movie was uh, strange to me. It was very strange. So <laughs> I, 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 I don't know exactly. You were captivated by the like Faith Hill pop country oh, tunes Lord. that rolled you into it. No, I mean I had fun recasting it for sure. Um, I just you know uh, I, I guess I just everything was just so wild. 
about this. And this also this this movie is directed by Griffin Dunn, which is really I didn't realize that he directed anything. Yeah. The iconic zombie face of an American werewolf mm-hmm. in London. Okay. Uh let's get into the discussions about these characters. Let's so, get into it. First up is Sally Owens. Played by the incomparable. Sandra Bullock. I'll give you yes. this. Sandra Bullock really, really carried this movie. I'll say this just as how this movie affected me in my real life. I was on the verge of making an appointment to get my hair done because it's just too long, too out of control. And then I saw her and Nicole Kidman and I was like, nope. Long, beautiful, full Owens women hair is the trend of the summer that I'm taking with me. I'm not cutting it. It's going to be as long as theirs. Um, that's a wonderful story. <laughs> and I'm very glad that you that happened to you. I felt so affected by this movie. Why don't I go first? Okay. Tell me who you thought. Um, this is also a bummer. This is two movies in a row that like you are in love with. And so I feel like I'm kind of coming in and... I might muddle things up. All right. So it was hard to pin down Sally because I, I really felt that, like, it was just Sandra Bullock being a great actress. So I just wanted to pick a very good actress that I knew who could who could really carry this movie. And I'm not, like, a big fan of hers, but, mm-hmm. I, but I picked A-plus acting student Anne Hathaway. A-plus acting student. Yeah. I mean that's kind of a that's kind of a great description. Um, because and forgive me, I watched this movie uh, a while ago. But mm-hmm. Sally, you know, the scene that we were talking about when you know her husband dies and she storms over to the the aunt's house Ugh. and demands to know the truth. Not every actress can do that. It was a curse, wasn't it? He died because I loved him so much. Oh my poor little girl. We had no idea when we cast the spell. What spell? What are you talking about? Oh. Oh, you didn't. You didn't. Please tell me that my own flesh and blood. It was just a little push. You wanted so much to be happy. We never expected that you would truly love him. No, well, I did. And I want him back. Sandra Bullock nailed it. And I think, you know, Anne Hathaway lives for those kind of moments you can see Anne Hathaway ripping up the floorboards of her house trying to find the beetle yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. for sure so that's who I picked and you know however you feel about Anne Hathaway I know a lot of women hate Anne Hathaway for some reason but um I I enjoy her performances and and she doesn't like draw me to a lot of films but like Mm -hmm. when I watch her oh you know what I saw her in Colossus have you seen her in Colossus she's that's a really great movie that's a really great movie and she plays something way different than her usual roles and Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna lean on that performance a lot for why I picked her she I get I get that people find her almost too endearing to be likable like you know that person you probably knew in high school who was like so nice that you're like I hate them yeah, yeah. I I don't dislike Anne Hathaway. I think she's a really great actress, and also I don't feel like I could ever turn my back on Mia Thermopolis. Who? From the Princess Diaries. Oh. Yeah. Um. <laughs> honestly, every woman my age is going to be like, yeah, exactly. Oh my god. I feel like we're just in a zone you're so unfamiliar with. I am lost. I'm completely lost. I'm doing my best here, guys. Uh, this okay. is what you, this is what you get for making me watch Goodfellas. I really do feel like I'm being punished. 
Um, okay, so I definitely felt like the key to this movie is the taming of the Owen sisters. Yeah. Because it's not just that, like, like Sandra Bullock is amazing, but it's, like, the team of Bullock and Kidman uh-huh. that really sells this movie. And so I also felt like I had to find a team... Especially because we don't make a lot of movies like this today. And so if we rebooted it, I feel like you would have to have the gimmick Mm -hmm. of two very key actresses Mm -hmm. to sell it. Mm -hmm. And so when I say this first person's name, uh, just know that there's like somebody coming along with them who is meant to complete the picture. So for Sally, and I aged these characters down a tiny bit. So maybe they don't. Maybe Sally doesn't have like 10 year old children. Shout out to Evan Rachel Wood, who was one of those kids. And uh, who's the other? Oh, no. Uh, there's another famous actress. Who Camilla, plays, Bell Camilla Bell played plays young Sally. Sally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. Yeah. I. What am I going to say about Jennifer Lawrence? You know what's funny, though, is like Jennifer Lawrence is almost the anti-Anne Hathaway. Oh, 100%. It's like she just kind of comes in. She's She'll go to an award show like stoned and we all fawn over her. And then Anne Hathaway, a plus drama student, comes in and we're all like, bleh. It's like Jennifer Lawrence is Mozart and Anne Hathaway is Salieri. <laughs> and Anne Hathaway must spend a lot of time just being like, why am I not as beloved as this woman? Like, I don't get it. Like... What is going on? And I mean, she, Jennifer Lawrence is honestly a product of internet culture of yeah. like this idea that like if you are in any way like quippy or witty or funny and people can capture that in an instance, even though honestly, in my opinion, Jennifer Lawrence can come off so grating as a person. I feel like people enjoy whatever little bit of like mm-hmm. sass she brings to it. And so... Yeah. She's beloved as an individual, but I think she's a really, she's a really great actress and she's kind of at a point, I think, where if you gave her an iconic role played by Sandra Bullock, mm-hmm. 100% she would do it. Mm-hmm. Why don't you hit me with your Jillian so we can talk about them in tandem? Okay. So for my Jillian, I picked Emma Stone. Whoa. Okay. That's, I, all right. I'm a little blindsided. I, I don't. Which I knew would come off a little bit like, oh, you picked a redhead. But. No, I wasn't even thinking about that. Just like the idea of them both. Were they both in Aloha? No. I don't think so. I think I'm mixing up uh, two movies. Um, yeah. I just seeing them on screen together is really kind it, of like. Although, do we really want to see Emma Stone drive out to Los Angeles to make it again? Did you think about that? Not if she not if she doesn't give me a good, honest cry before. <sighs> What if it's I've just never like been La La Land is just I've weave La La Land into this version of Practical Magic? Oh my gosh, yes. Ryan Gosling's character is Jimmy Angelo. <laughs> like La La Land was from his perspective. Practical Magic is from hers. And she's like, he's abusive. He followed me out here. I didn't want to do this career, but he's forcing me. That's awesome. Here's my thinking about J-Law and Emma Stone is that they have become quite the iconic duo of friends outside of the fact that they're both really wonderful actresses. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that would draw people in to see this movie is that it's like, it's the kind of chemistry that you can't fake. Yeah. So if you have two very talented friends in this movie, I think, I think that's a good formula. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence and Emma Stone headlining a movie is going to sell out. Yeah. I took it a different way because I I know they're sisters, but I didn't see them as like such a pairing as maybe you did. Sally to me is sort of the homebody. She wants to kind of 
you know, just raise her kids in peace and like have the life that she had before her husband died. Jillian is sort of more of a free spirit. Do you really love him? I mean, enough to marry him? Oh, come on, Sal, what's enough? I hate it here. I want to go where, where no one's even heard of us. I feel like I'm never going to see you again. Of course you're going to see me again. We're going to grow old together. It's going to be you and me. Living in a big house, these two old biddies with all these cats. <laughs> I mean, I bet we even die on the same day. You swear? My pair is a little stranger than yours. Definitely less no well-known than yours. So I picked Allison Sodal from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. You know who I'm talking I've about. I've seen this movie. Obviously, I've seen this movie. But I, I don't recognize her name. Um, She, I think, is mainly a musician. Oh, boy. Yeah. It definitely says singer-songwriter under yeah. her name when you Google her. I thought you'd be a little more uh, well-versed of the actors of the Potterverse. Honestly, I've only seen Fam Fantastic Beasts yeah, once. It's not great. And I mean... But she's great in it. Let's face it. That was pre-Jute Law, so... <laughs> okay. Fantastic Beasts 2 obviously will be on repeat. Uh, well, she's going to be in that as well, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, she, the, I actually, like, Fantastic Beasts overall didn't have the exact same appeal as Harry Potter, but it was fun. And I think the dynamic of her and who, the other. Anne Hathaway. No. Oh, the other woman. The, no. <laughs> the guy. Oh. What's his name? Uh, uh, who. He's played by Dan Fogler the, in Fantastic Beasts is really great. Like, I think she's she's fine. Yeah, I picked her because she she was very I mean, I don't think she was like ditzy, but she she had this like, kind of sort of airiness to her where, you know, everything was more ethereal. And I kind of think Jillian is a little more like that. I mean, I know this movie's made in the late 90s. So there was like is the age of henna tattoos and <laughs> toe rings and stuff like that. But um, I wanted someone who would contrast a little bit more to Sally's more um Sally's the more practical one mm -hmm. and Jillian is a little more of a dreamer okay so I wanted that dynamic and Allison Sodal in Fantastic Beast has this kind of washing energy to her that I that's why I picked her to contrast with A plus drama student who's just gonna like hit her lines and like really just be, you know. I'm sort of every time you say it, imagining Anne Hathaway as like one of the kids in like the SNL like Disney uh, acting <laughs> <laughs> videos. Oh, you thought you meant like the sketch where they're in the black box theater and they're Oh, they do, oh that's like, a good one. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Aunt Fran, played by Stalker Channing. Fran, you don't know these people. Aunt Francis? <laughs> You picked a tandem for, you know, the sisters, which I think is smart. I kind of picked a tandem for the aunts. Like, Diane Weist and Stalker Channing were a really great pair, and it was a little difficult to kind of pick actresses that could serve as the sort of mentors to the women. You know the only curse in this family? She's sitting right down there at the end of the table. Your Aunt Fanny. <laughs> oh, come on, Jetty. Even you have to admit that any man who gets involved with an Owens woman is bound to end up six feet under. Spare me. What about my poor Ethan? It was an accident. It was fate. It was an accident. No, 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 it was fate. Accident. It was fate. Should we just do them in tandem? Is that easier if we just say them in tandem, or do you want to go one at a time? Because I don't know. I couldn't really distinguish between one aunt and the other because they kind of had, like, a hive mind, in my opinion. Like, they operated under the same sort of wavelength, you know, when they... 
orchestrate Sally's marriage. They, you know, the whole eating ice cream for breakfast thing. I think the main thing is that Aunt Frances seems like the one who's way more in control. But they clearly, like, work together to, like... She just seems a little more like the leader. But yeah, okay. let's do them well, together. Good. Well, okay, but I'll take what you just said. Like Aunt Fran is more controlling. She's sort of the a little more of the puppet master than maybe mm-hmm. Aunt Jet. I picked Catherine Keener of Get Out and Forty Year Old Virgin. Mm-hmm. One, I love Catherine Keener. Yeah, she's amazing. And two, I thought that she could be that strength that you talked about, mm-hmm. that kind of stronger presence for my Aunt Jet. I picked Patricia Clarkson from Easy A and Shutter Island. That's a good one. Um, she's a little softer. And and the aunts definitely parallel the sisters. It's so funny. It's like the aunts are sisters. Mm-hmm. Sally and Jillian are sisters. And then Sally has two girls that are like mirror identical to That's the what generations. I love. That's what I love about this movie is that the family dynamic is about it's all about sisterhood. Like, it's, there are no men. Men literally get weeded out of this family. Grandma Regina died of a broken heart, didn't mm. she? Mm. How could she do that? Leave Mom and Aunt Julie behind when they were just little girls? Why would she ever talk about it? Was Mama good at spells when she was just a little girl? How come Mama doesn't do spells now? What's going on in here? Nothing. Just making toast is all. It's just so fun. It's so like fun that each generation has their support system built in. I thought I was going to hate the aunts. By the way, uh, they served as great characters, but their fashion was atrocious. I kind of loved it. <laughs> oh, it's God. it's super Ooh. like hocus pocusy. Like they are dressed yeah. like <laughs> like they were born in the Victorian they era. They both look like <laughs> Radagast the Brown from <laughs> The Hobbit. Just like squirrel pelts and like it's definitely like those like droopy weird hair on top of your head. This for this version would have to they, these women had, would have to be very fashionable. Like I don't think witches today would be like, oh, let's wear burlap sacks and uh, twigs in her hair. Mm-mm. I think they'd be like, you know, let's go shopping. Let's go buy human clothes. <laughs> let's not make our own stuff. But it's interesting too because they do that thing where they sort of lean into the fact that like people think they're weird. Yeah. People know sure. even if they don't know, people know that they're witches. Yeah. And so there's something really beautiful about them being like, cool, we're just gonna act like old timey witches. Yeah. Like we're not even gonna pretend like we belong in in regular society because they don't deserve mm-hmm. us. Who who do you have? Um, I picked for my team for Aunt Frances, Julianne Moore, and for Aunt Jet, Marissa Tomei. Whoa. And the reason I picked them as a team is because they're both really amazing. They're also both at a point in their careers where I feel like they are very, they have been very serious actresses and now they're just thrown, they're having fun. Like Julianne Moore was the villain in the second Kingsman movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Marissa Tomei, Aunt May. Yes. She's doing the superhero thing now. Um, I thought that Marissa Tomei was significantly younger than Julianne Moore in their They're actually pretty close in age. Um, Yes. Yeah. And but I do agree that I sort of saw them as like they're not. I didn't want because I aged my um, my Sally and Jilly down. I didn't want them to be these sort of like ancient women. Like I think they make the ants from the original seem like I sort of wanted them to be like Sabrina's ants. Sabrina the teenage witch. That they're just yeah they're like younger. They're fashionable. They're hip. 
like they're people that clearly because they're all they've developed a friendship even though they're like their mother figures like I wanted it to I want them to be able to actually sort of be like that and it not be like oh there's like a weird age difference that makes these women seem like yeah they seem kind of ancient yeah um let's talk about the most important scene in this movie are you talking about midnight margaritas she's never been interested in her gifts <sighs> she just made that all come on jillian has her own magic and <laughs> we all know what it is <laughs> oh please since when is being a slut a crime in this family? Oh, no! <laughs> oh, honey, what would you know about it? What was going on in that scene? Okay. Like, what is happening? First of all. All of a sudden, <laughs> Sally and Jillian are having like a heart to heart. And then all of a sudden, out comes this cry for midnight margaritas. <laughs> and then that fucking song plays. <laughs> and then they just they just seem to lose their minds. I'll say this. I loved the end of that scene when they're um, sitting at the dinner table. I love the way that shot. Um, how was it shot? For the audience who can't <laughs> see the movie, tell us and a little bit. And definitely not for Brian, the, who doesn't remember this. Tell us a little bit about the mise en scene of the <laughs> Midnight Margaritas, kind of. Oh my gosh. So they have the sort of fun time where they're dancing around. This is clearly something they've done probably since they were too young to be drinking margaritas. Yeah. It's just like part of the allure of the fact that Jillian's back mm-hmm. and they get to do it again. Yeah. And first of all, that's just the most wonderful feeling being like I'm with my best friend in the whole world and we get to have this like moment again. And then at the end of the night, they're sitting around the table and it's all like sort of strange, like Dutch angles. It's shot in a way that makes it look very scary. And but then they start like insulting each other, kind of like they all start like roasting each other. a little Yes, bit. but it's not it's it's not necessarily aggressive. Like they're still like having a drunken good time. Yeah. And then they realize that the tequila they're drinking is Jimmy's tequila, which is cursed. Yes. OK. And because there's a real hard Turn. When she like breaks the glass, she just like throws it in the sink. But I I love how they shift from this like they're feeling this freedom of like the weight of having <laughs> killed Jimmy, raised him from the dead, and then killed him again has been weighing on them obviously. And now they're like, you know what? Let's just do this thing that we love to do. And then at the end of it, it just turns sour. Where did this bottle come from? What's going on with you? Sally, what's going on in this house? Something's going on. I can smell it. Yes, it's a very distinct smell. It's a smell of bullshit. And there's something really lovely about the way it played out. Also, who doesn't want to make midnight margaritas with their uh, girlfriends? Uh, look, when this scene came on, I literally just sort of like rolled over on the couch and I was just like, what is happening? And I just don't think you opened your heart to it. My girlfriend got really upset. She's like, this is like a pinnacle moment in it's my huge. upbringing. And I was like, what? I was, I was just lost. I'm lost. But <laughs> the other thing about this movie that's so crazy is after everything about like the prejudice against witches and like women helping women... There's like a mini murder mystery that happens at the end mm-hmm. where, I mean, what a great segue into because the, somebody Officer shows Gary Hallett, up. yeah, who's investigating Jimmy's death or, mm-hmm. or miss you know missing person case. 
And he shows up because he he's familiar with Jimmy's exploits. Yeah. And he needs to find him. All right, let's talk about Gary. I will say that, okay, so what happens is mm-hmm. he shows up in town. There's clearly sparks flying between him and Sally. Yeah. And we're all like, okay, but why though? Because they literally see each other for three minutes. And I think that's one of the biggest issues I have with this movie is that when she is overwhelmed by the idea of keeping this a secret any longer. She like storms to his over to his hotel, barges in and is like, I got to get this off my chest. And fully and, admits to murder. Yes. Did you or your sister kill James Angelo? Jillian didn't kill anybody. Jillian did. Jillian didn't, but you did. Huh? What if I told you I did? What would you do? What, would you send me to jail for the rest of my life? All because the world was short a man like Jimmy Angelo? It's not for you and me to decide how he should be punished. He has to be held accountable. Well, he has been punished. And then they somehow almost end up in bed together. Yes. And what? That is a moment that I'm always like, what is she doing? I mean, sure, they explain a little later that he is the man that she cast a spell for when mm-hmm. she was a child. He's the perfect man that didn't exist. He has the heterochromia. Yeah, he does exist and he's appeared to her now. But that moment always sort of bugged me because I'm like, she full on admits to the murder and is like, I just don't want to deal with it anymore. And yeah. he is kind of like, yeah, but like, what's this like? What's this weird thing about your family? Like, what's going on? And then they're rolling around in the bed. Mm-hmm. And then they he comes over for pancakes. And they try to kill him. What is this movie about? Like, where does this movie go? It's so can I crazy. S- can I say, though, that I did cry during this movie? <laughs> because the part where they sort of come to the mutual understanding that He's going to leave her alone. Uh-huh. She's going to leave him alone. And it's like, she can never be with him because she's like, I don't know if it's just because I put a spell on you and he can never be mm-hmm. with her. Cause he's like, is she just always trying to get out of the fact that I know she murdered someone, <laughs> but as he's leaving and after she's made this huge confession about what she did and how she, it's all like a spell. He turns to her and he says, you know what? I wished for you too. Can I just talk to the ladies for a second? Yeah, I'm going to step out. (laughs) Brian, go get a water. Ladies, I just think you should definitely make sure you wait for a man who has wished for you too. Because honestly, it is the most beautiful sentiment I have ever heard. He also has a line after the crazy pancake breakfast where he goes, (laughs) you're all crazy. (laughs) You're all crazy and walks out. All right, let's get to our casting. Okay. Um, I cast somebody in this role who is really great for it and who I've been wanting to cast in something for a long time because I think he's phenomenal. Uh-huh. I picked Wyatt Russell. Oh, cool. I love Wyatt Russell and the very small amount of things that he's been in. Mm-hmm. He has been in Everybody Wants Some. Mm-hmm. Um, that one episode of Black Mirror. He was in Ingrid Goes West. Ingrid Goes West, yes. He was awesome in that. Um. 22 Jump Street, Table 19. Oh, yeah, Table 19. Forgot about that movie. Um, he's kind of the he's kind of the perfect yeah. person for this role because he is in a place in his career right now where... Yeah. You did go young. He's only 31. I guess Jennifer Lawrence there, is like yeah. 25. And Emma Stone is like 25. <laughs> I mean, I think they're like 27, 28, 29 maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think he... I mean, first of all, he sort of looks like a movie detective. 
Yeah. Second of all, he's talented. Third of all, I mean, he's just at a place where like doing a romantic comedy, a sort of wacky comedy mm-hmm. drama thing, like it's it's in his wheelhouse right now. Yeah. There's nothing really charming about Gary. He kind of comes in as this sort of block of lawman. Like he he is He's all business. He's all business. So I wanted to pick an actor who was quite handsome but also was kind of tremendously serious cuz I don't think he has a funny moment in at all in this movie. Oh, interesting. Oh, he does have one when he uh is talking to the townsfolk about the women. Like, he's talking to, like, witnesses, and they have, like, the craziest <laughs> stories about them. I don't know about the Bulgarian, yeah. but I would not be surprised if he turned up in a ditch yeah. somewhere. Sarah, that is not true. She's she's not saying they murdered him, just that maybe they shook his hand and then he died. It's very mysterious. So I picked Mike Coulter from Luke Cage and Girls Trip. Oh, very serious. Yeah. I mean, I just wanted someone where like if he shows up to investigate you, you would be very kind of very nervous that like yeah. he's going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But also, he's quite handsome and I think it would be easy for someone to kind of like fall for him. Yeah. Um but he's still kind of just like, you know, a a walking badge basically. Yeah. No. I think that's a really a really good choice, especially because ultimately the humor is found in the fact that there's all this. He's like a very he's a straight man in this whole crazy business of them being witches. Yeah. So that's what I picked. Uh, those are our five characters. Yeah. Great job, everybody. Great job by you, Kenna. Everybody meaning just us. Yeah. Um, just you and me, I guess. Unless you were following at home and you picked people in your head. Yeah. Then good job to you. Why don't we get to where does Barry Pepper go? Okay. Um, here's the thing about casting Barry Pepper in this movie. There are very few men. There's two men in this there movie. There are very few men. And a couple pilgrims, so. <laughs> so I picked um, the fish guy that distracts Sally's husband and is the reason he dies. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so, really good. That's who I picked. Um, I have a, I have kind of a, I picked Dwight, the scalp cream guy who walks in and he's like, it's not <laughs> yeah. working. She's like, you don't put it on your scalp. <laughs> can we have a real conversation about how successful that shop can yeah. possibly yes. be? Let's talk about, let's get into our little uh, bits about this movie. How does this shop make money? Because everybody in the town is frightened of these people. So who is she selling stuff to? Uh, I don't know. People who are in need of skincare. And, and how are they, how is she selling enough to keep her, her business afloat? Um, maybe she cast a spell on the island where they have to. Hey, that's a really good idea. Use their products. I think you're really embracing the <clears throat> magic. Um, so Sally's husband, played by Mark uh, Feuerstein, Feuerstein, Feuerstein. I don't know from uh, Suits. Yes. No woman. Here we go. Would ever run to Mark <laughs> Feuerstein while the song This Kiss <laughs> is playing. Uh, here's the thing. If if she literally heard This Kiss in her, I think I would run to any man if I was like, Faith Hill's playing. This kiss, this kiss. Let's hug. <laughs> um, I have a bigger question about uh, Jillian. Okay. Did Jillian not go to Sally's wedding or her husband's funeral? No, they haven't seen each other in forever. But isn't that the way it goes with like what? the free spirited child? Like she's obvious- her sister. <laughs> yeah. 
She should be her maid of honor. What are you doing with your hands? I'm gesturing in a frustrated robotic motion I get what you're movie. saying. I get what you're saying. But I think the idea is that it, Jillian's personality is, I'm sure she sent cards and letters, but she did not She did not really reach back out to Sally until she needed help. And I think that's the way we're meant to see her. Let me just tell you something. Audience, I'm from Massachusetts. I live in L.A. I go home often. Not a lot, but I've been home for smaller occasions than my own sibling's wedding and a death in the family. All right? That doesn't make any sense. She's a free spirit. Like, if she was in, like, Calcutta, India, (laughs) or wandering the, like, remotest parts of the rainforest, I would get that. She's in one of the largest metropolitan cities in the country, and she can't buy a plane ticket home for her sister's wedding or the birth of their children or her husband's untimely death. Come on, girls. Come on, ladies. Well, she does come back after the, after her husband's death. Like, that's what brings her home initially. She comes back because, uh, yeah, once, they, but she never makes it to the, she doesn't make the funeral. She well, comes back, but, spends like a weekend, heads home, then calls her. Is like, yeah, I need help. Yeah. That bugged me. <laughs> that bugged me. Um, I wrote a note down that says, this movie is about a bed. I don't really know what that means. I think there was like, oh, they're There's always in bed. There's so many scenes where they're, they're together, like talking bed. under the covers and yeah. Oh, uh, they're always in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about how this movie ends with... Nicole Kidman being possessed by the spirit of a very oh, angry yeah. man that they have oh, to yeah. expel. You've just let him take me. No. No, you have to hold on. Jill, you have to stay with me. Everyone will be safe. No. no. Just let him take me. Because we're supposed to die together, remember? At the same time, you promised me that, and this is not that day. They try to exercise her, like, once for, like, five minutes, and then they're like, <laughs> sorry, nope, can't do it. Impossible. And then Sandra Bullock is like, hold on a second. Uh, I forget what she does. She, like... She uses the phone tree. She uses the phone tree. Which, the phone tree scene is iconic. No, 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 no. Yes, the phone tree scene was so funny. That would couldn't fly today because it would all just be a chain email. Right, 100%. Um, but Nicole, can I just say Nicole Kidman's timing when she's like, it's something like somebody's like binder snaps and one of the women scream and she's like, that wasn't me. And then when all of the phone tree at the top of them says Sally's name and she's like, that was me. It's so spot on. It's such a, she's so good. Uh, who, Nicole Kidman? Yeah. I thought Nicole Kidman was struggling in this a bit. And did you read the trivia that it was like Sandra Bullock needed three takes to like nail her scenes. But then like because Nicole Kidman had just worked with Stanley Kubrick, she needed like 60 fucking takes. Yeah. To, he will to mess it. you up. Yeah. Um, what else? Anything else? I think I'm. Uh, oh, what I wouldn't give to just have one of these kids use a napkin. Anytime they're eating ice cream, it's just like smeared all over their face. Who did you, who is your honorable mention? Oh, honorable Jimmy? mention for Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Angelov, who, you know, it's very hard to recast Goran Viz, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Vizinich from ER. I mean, he has such a particular Eastern European look. Mm-hmm. That's that very true. I went a different route. 
I think we talked about him last episode. I picked Jai Courtney. You're playing with me. You're Why? Playing with me. Why? Because I love Jai Courtney. Yeah, I thought but, you hated it because the look in your face suggested <laughs> that you were going to get violent. Listen, I remember the first time I saw Jai Courtney when he played uh, Bruce Willis's son in that random Die Hard sequel, and I was like, "Who is this man? And who gave him permission to have those arms?" And I want him to succeed so badly, mm-hmm. but he is just missing the mark every time. But you could see him playing kind of like this wild, abusive boyfriend, right? Like he probably wouldn't be Eastern, Eastern European. Would yeah. probably be like, just be your Australian self. We'll just pretend. But I did think it was Aussie. a lot of fun that she's like describing him and she's like, he's from like this place by Transylvania. I and I was fun. like, how fun. Do witches love Transylvania? What a cute That's, like detail that, that he's like very Dracula-esque. Mm, yeah. That's funny. Is that cute? Well, I thought it was funny that like he is sort of like a vampire. Like he leeches out into the environment of the home. There's so much yeah. happening with this movie. All right, let's just I think I think you're coming around. All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode of Practical Magic. Uh, I hope you liked our picks. I and if you didn't, hit us up on social media. Let us know who you would have picked. Kenna, how can they do that? How can they reach us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just give us a search. We're out there. Um, you can find us together, this podcast, on social media, at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. Make sure you're showing up every week because we're going to be previewing the movies we're doing next week on Twitter so look out for that you can find me on social media at Trent, all one word you can find Brian on social media if you want to at Flynn B alright guys uh, if you like this pod subscribe to it please give us a rating and please leave a comment and tell your friends to do the same thanks for joining us and we'll be back next week when I make Kenna watch Rambo First Blood <laughs> I would actually love that a lot <laughs> so it would so take that alright we'll see you later Last horse, ride me <laughs> off into the sunset Baby, I'm forever yours It's the way you love me It's a feeling like this It's centrifugal motion It's perpetual bliss It's that pivotal moment It's uh, unthinkable This kiss, this kiss Unthinkable This kiss, this kiss She's selling placentas at Placenta Farm.